Hello, I'm Gustavo Ribeiro, Editor-in-Chief of the Brazilian Report, and I'm delighted to say that the Explaining Brazil podcast is back. We took a long hiatus in December because we'd been recording from home since the beginning of the pandemic, but we wanted to avoid giving you inconsistent sound quality and began looking for the perfect studio to record our episodes. Now we've found one and we will resume our weekly coverage of Brazil's current affairs. And to kick off our 2021 season, today's episode mixes 5G networks, coronavirus vaccines and international trade. In Brazil, these are all related. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, Editor-in-Chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. If you search for the terms 5G and coronavirus online, you'll come across myriad conspiracy theories claiming that 5G technology, the fifth generation of mobile networks, somehow causes COVID-19, or at least reduces our immune response to the coronavirus. Other wild theories go one better, claiming that the coronavirus vaccines contain microchips that would monitor every aspect of our bodies, and why not send the information to Bill Gates? Of course, this is biologically impossible, and in the fight against uh, vaccine misinformation, social media platforms have started clamping down any posts linking 5G and coronavirus vaccines. Try tweeting those two terms, and your account will probably be suspended for violating terms and conditions. And I'm not joking, it happened to me. Of course, I was not claiming that 5G causes COVID-19, but I was ready trying to explain how in Brazil the race for 5G is directly related to the race for procuring coronavirus vaccines. Allow us to explain. Ewan Marshall, welcome back. Hi, Gustavo. Yeah, it's certainly been a while. It's good to be back. And this is only the second time we've seen each other in person since March last year, right? I mean, of course, we're still suitably socially distanced here in the studio, but... Uh, Tell us, how does 5G relate to coronavirus vaccines? Not microchip, I assume. No, not exactly. Uh, well, to explain this, we first need to rewind a little and talk a bit about relations between Brazil and China. So, back in 2018, when he was on the campaign trail, Jair Bolsonaro was extremely belligerent towards Beijing. Uh, he railed against Chinese investment in the country, saying that China wasn't buying in Brazil, it was buying Brazil. A grande máxima, né? A China não está comprando no Brasil, ela está comprando o Brasil. And he even visited Taiwan, which of course is a major no-no in diplomatic terms. Right, because China does not recognize Taiwan as a sovereign state. And in order to avoid ruffling feathers, Brazil has never done so either. Exactly. Uh, but once he became president, uh, Bolsonaro toned things down a bit and he tried to establish a more amicable relationship with the Chinese president, Xi Jinping. He even visited Beijing and he hosted Xi during a BRICS summit in Brasilia. Nós queremos mais que ampliar. Queremos diversificar as nossas relações comerciais. But then came the pandemic. Yeah, so that caused another another shift in Bolsonaro's messaging. And he began following the cues of ex-US President Donald Trump. He and his politician's sons would refer to the coronavirus as the Chinese virus. He suggested that the Chinese-made coronavac vaccine would turn people into crocodiles. Se você virar o, o chip, virar o jacaré, é problema de você, pô. 
And members of his administration flat out offended the Chinese people with, you know, a series of racist remarks. And it reached a point at which the Chinese embassy issued a not-so-subtle warning that Brazil, which heavily relies on China for its agricultural exports, should not want to have China as an enemy. Hmm. Yeah, so things got pretty tense for a while. So how are things now? Well, the tension has subsided significantly, uh, and that's because Brazil depends on China for vaccine inputs. So the country needs 420 million doses of coronavirus vaccines to inoculate its entire population. And not only is the Chinese-made coronavac the most readily available vaccine in Brazil, but China is also a major producer of vaccine inputs, even for those which are developed in other countries. Right, and late in January, China played hardball with those supplies, didn't it? Yeah, so Brazil struggled to get the go-ahead from China to import inputs for the production of the Coronavac in Sao Paulo. And while it was a strictly technical delay, in Brasilia it became clear that if the Chinese government wanted the process to be smoother... It would have been. And that kicked off a series of negotiation efforts involving Congress and lobbyists to try to improve diplomatic relations between Beijing and Brasilia. Yeah, I mean, um, multiple members of Congress, former presidents, everyone tried to put out the fire. But what exactly has Brazil done to iron things out? Well, now we get into the crux of this episode. As we have written on the Brazilian report, the government is now using 5G networks as a key bargaining chip. So, during the toughest times of Brazil-China relations, President Bolsonaro hinted that he would ban Chinese telecom giant Huawei from Brazil's upcoming 5G auction. Now, in exchange for smoother trade relations with regard to the coronavirus vaccines, Bolsonaro is now no longer expected to shut Huawei out of the bidding process. And just to give some context here, Bolsonaro went as far as he could without actually declaring a ban on Huawei, even supporting a plan by the Trump White House that would create, quote, a safe space for 5G networks without what it called nefarious actors. And it included the Chinese Communist Party in that list. Yeah, so our Brasilia correspondent, uh, Deborah Alvarez, she said that things were so tense between the two countries that Chinese ambassador Yan Wanming told government officials that he would no longer speak with Brazil's xenophobic foreign minister, Ernesto Araújo, which is absolutely not customary in diplomatic relationships. But Brazil is not only trying to trade 5G for vaccines with China, is it? No, that's right. As we speak, Communications Minister Fabio Faria is currently leading a 10-person mission to Sweden, Finland, South Korea, Japan and China to meet with leading 5G suppliers. And he has been part of negotiations around vaccine inputs. The Communications Minister negotiating vaccines. I mean... Why not? <laughs> yeah, so the government is not exactly being discreet about its intent to link 5G regulations to the shipment of vaccines to Brazil and make it a sort of quid pro quo arrangement. What do you mean? Well, Faria is using the trip to discuss getting COVID-19 vaccines for Brazil with Marcus Wallenberg, who's the chief executive officer at Investor AB, which owns a stake in both British-Swedish lab AstraZeneca and telecom equipment maker Ericsson. And we at the Brazilian Report got access to a letter sent by the communications ministry in Brazil to Wallenberg. What does it say, Ewan? Well, it's mostly exposition about how current supplies fall far behind the demands of the Brazilian population. And then it finishes by saying that the government, quote, 
kindly request the board of AstraZeneca to consider prioritising and expediting vaccine consignments to Brazil, as well as facilitating APIs, which are active pharmaceutical ingredients or, you know, vaccine inputs, with a view to strengthening ties for the joint production of AstraZeneca vaccines and future exports to third parties. So, when you have the communications minister negotiating vaccine shipments, you can be sure that there's more to this than meets the eye. For sure, yeah. And next on Explaining Brazil, we will discuss the risks the Bolsonaro government is taking by putting itself at odds with Beijing. We'll be right back after a short break. Twenty twenty one is said to be a make or break year for Brazil, and we have put together a special report on the challenges the country is facing and what it needs to do to overcome the crisis. Also, we analyze exactly what President Jair Bolsonaro's success will hinge on, bearing in mind that he will be running for re-election next year. And if you're worried about the report becoming outdated by the speed of events, we'll be putting together a comprehensive update very soon, which will be included in your purchase. We will put the link to this special report in the show notes and on our website, which is brazilian.report. This is not the first time we've discussed Brazil-China relations on this podcast, but trust me, there's always something new to talk about. It's hard to understate the sheer importance of China for Brazil. It buys up to a third of our exports and half of our commodity exports. It is also the top trading partner of half of Brazil's 27 states. So if Beijing sneezes, Brazil usually contracts pneumonia. That wasn't the case at the turn of the century, though. And one of the startling things about Brazil's dependence on China is just how fast it has developed. To understand how this came to be, we welcome Mauricio Santoro, a professor at the State University of Rio de Janeiro, who is literally writing the book on Brazil-China relations. Mauricio, welcome back. Tell us, uh, how did China grow to become Brazil's outright biggest trade partner? Uh, was there government action involved or did it just happen organically? It's an interesting question. It happened everywhere. It was not just between China and Brazil. It was also between China and Latin America in general, and also between China and Africa. There was government action. action. There, was, there were public policies to stimulate that, but they were Chinese policies and not Brazilian or, or Mexican or, or, or South Africa. So what happened is that the Chinese authorities and Chinese companies understood that they had to buy abroad and that Latin America and Africa offered very good options for China. And there is a joke among Chinese experts saying that it's not Brazilians who sell to China. It's Chinese who buy from Brazilians. What this joke is telling us is that the active partner is China. And Brazil is basically just reacting to Chinese growth, just reacting to Chinese demand. And of course, in the 2000s, the Brazilian agribusiness sector was already very big, very strong, very competitive. But the initiative was from, from the Chinese. They basically understood that, okay, Brazil has some very good options. Let's buy soy from them. Let's buy oil let's buy iron ore, and so on. And it was something that happened very fast. 
Uh, in the year 2000, Brazil was selling more or less $1 billion. The bilateral trade was more or less $1 billion between the two countries. And uh, just 20 years after that, it's $100 billion every year. So, and it's growing with the pandemic. So in 2020, more or less one third of Brazilian exports will have gone to, to China. So it's really huge. And it's a very strong dependence from the point of view of Brazil, something that Brazil was not used to for a long time. Such a, a, a huge export market concentrated in one country. If China is so important, why is Brazil causing it so much trouble? What is happening in Brazil, uh, this more critical view of China, is also happening in many other countries. Many people are angry at China because of the coronavirus and they blame the Chinese government for the pandemic. And China is reacting to this kind of global criticism in a harsh way through wolf warrior diplomacy. And the, the current Chinese ambassador in Brazil is a very good example of this new trend among Chinese diplomats. He's, for example, very active on, on social media in Brazil, criticizing Brazilian politicians, including the president's son. So the message that the Chinese government is trying to, to, to send is that don't mess with China, because if you do that, the Chinese government is going after you. So it's a terrible moment to pick up a fight with China. What Brazil should do right now is to exploit the conflict between China and the United States to get the better part of each partner, because both of them are very important for Brazil. What kind of consequences are we facing? Brazil is a very fragile economic situation right now. We are in the middle of a big recession. We need the Chinese ex export markets. We need Chinese investment. So there is a limit to where the president can go, what he can say about China. And Brazil is facing the threat of economic retaliation from China, as China is doing right now with Australia. That may happen in Brazil as, with Brazil as well. So although Australia is a very rich country, developed nation, the pattern of trade that it has with China uh, reminds me of Brazil. So Australians export to China iron ore, whole goods, and they import industrial goods, more or less like Brazil. And they, are, they also have a very strong political relationship with the United States. Military alliances, political alliances, everything that you can imagine. And they started to, to be very close, too much close to the United States for the taste of China, especially concerning Huawei, concerning the, the 5G internet pattern. So Chinese decided to retaliate Australia, not in iron war, not in the most important goods in this economic relationship, but in wines, in beer, in grain, uh, in tourism. So in other economic relations that are also important for, for Australia, but that are, are not really that important to China. So what's the lesson that Brazil can, can get from that? That if the things get really nasty between Brazil and China, the Chinese are not going to retaliate us in soy or iron ore or in oil, because these products are important to China. 
but they can go against Brazil in meat, for example, or in other products that are also important for Brazil. And Brazil is, is very vulnerable right now. Brazil cannot afford to lose any kind of foreign market because of the recession. Maurício, thank you very much. We now travel across the globe to talk about Australia-China relations and how they offer a blueprint of what could happen to Brazil if the country continues on a collision path with Beijing. We're pleased to welcome David Spears, an award-winning Australian journalist who hosts The Insiders, Australia's most popular political affairs program. David, thanks for making the time to speak with us. For context's sake, what's the history of Australia-China relations and how dependent on China is Australia for trade? Well, the Australia-China relationship has been one of uh, great um, trade dependence for many years, and it's been a very positive one, uh, well, up until a few years ago. About six years ago or thereabouts, Australia and China signed a free trade agreement. That was really the high point of the relationship. Uh, Xi Jinping came to Australia. He spoke to the Australian Parliament, which is a rare honour provided here in Australia. This uh, trade agreement was signed and trade certainly grew from that point. Uh, Australia, in fact, now relies more heavily on China as a market than, than it ever has before. It makes up nearly half of our, uh, of our exports. So it is, it is critically important to Australia. Then about three years ago, things started to become more difficult in the relationship. Uh, when there were real concerns in Australia about China's attempts at political influence in Australia, uh, concerns about what it was doing in the South China Sea, concerns about cyber attacks, uh, and concerns about foreign investment as well. The Australian government responded to these concerns in a number of ways. One was to ban Huawei from involvement in the 5G at network in Australia. We were the first country to do that, and clearly that upset the Chinese. Um, it was banned on security grounds that weren't publicly explained. Then Australia introduced what are called foreign interference laws, making it a criminal offence to try to interfere in any Australian political process. Uh, and again, these were first laws that, that were seen at least to be targeting China, even if the Australian government said they weren't aimed at one particular country, they were certainly seen as being aimed at China. That upset Beijing as well. Our foreign investment rules were tightened further. And then you get to the COVID uh, situation where Australia led the call for an inquiry into the origins of the coronavirus, and that upset China as well. So a number of reasons why Beijing started to think Uh, well, you know, Australia's not treating us as a friendly partner here uh, when it relies on our trade so heavily. And uh, what we've now seen in the last um, six or eight months is China retaliate through various trade sanctions on our exports from beef to barley to wine. And that's starting to really hurt Australian exporters. What led Australia to adopt a more aggressive stance against Beijing? And how did China respond? I think this seen as a, a medium to longer term problem that Australia is going to face because um, you know, China's making very little secret about why it's imposing these trade sanctions through Chinese state-run media, through even the, the words of the Chinese ambassador in Australia. It's made it very clear that what Australia's done uh, on these other areas like foreign interference and foreign investment and its position on the inquiry into coronavirus 
that this is why China is uh, hitting us now, uh, retaliating on the trade front, and that this is going to continue. So we are seeing China, with its economic dominance now, make it clear through its actions against Australia uh, that any country that upsets it can face this sort of trade punishment. Um, now, what that means for Australia is we need to find other markets. Not easily done, but there's certainly some effort to find other markets. Um, but Australia is not going to um, back down on any of these you know, controversial issues on foreign interference and uh, and Huawei and so on. And that's a bipartisan view in Australia that we can't give in to a bully, if you like. So I think we are going to see a prolonged uh, problem in the relationship uh, you know, uh, for quite some time. Bolsonaro followed Donald Trump's lead when it comes to China. Now that Trump is out of the picture and Joe Biden is in the White House, Washington's approach to Beijing should change. Uh, that could have ripple effects on other countries' relationship with China. Do you have the same feeling about Australia's relationship with Beijing? I think that is the great hope in Australia, that Joe Biden might be able to normalize some relations between the US and China, and then that will have some benefit to Australia as well, um, because there really isn't any other path that's clear to improve relations between Australia and China right now. So, yes, there is some hope being placed in um, in, in Joe Biden being able to uh, normalise things. But look, how far he's willing to go in terms of um, US engagement in this region on the trade front as well, we don't really know. But uh, you know, certainly Australia will be looking to the Biden administration to um, uh, normalise ties with China and perhaps provide an opening for Australia to get some dialogue going with China. Again, our ministers and our prime minister have not had any contact with their Chinese counterparts now for more than 12 months. They've been frozen out, uh, refused even a phone call from uh, their Chinese counterparts. So you know, it's a pretty frosty relationship right now. And any sort of dialogue would certainly be welcome. David, thank you. If you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a full week without the need to insert any credit card information whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Music